So there are a few readings today. Uh, the first one is Micah uh, 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The second reading is Jeremiah 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. And the final reading is from Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. When Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Well, it's nice to have Tim back. Um, it's been a little bit quieter, to be, to be honest, um, without him here, but it's great to have him here. Um, tan and all. I won't stand too close because I haven't got a tan. <laughs> I'm sort myself up. Should I pray for Tim? Oh, we just thank you for. Yeah, we just thank you for Tim, for the man, the character, the personality you've made him to be. Thank you for his time that he's had just to refresh and renew. We just lift to you. Uh, we lift him to you now. We lift his words to you. May he hear from you. May you speak into our lives, Lord, into our hearts. In your name, amen. Thanks, Jamie. I'm going to come down here. I'm not so far away from you. So it's good to be back. Hopefully you think it's good that I'm back as well. Uh, it's great. We haven't been away on sabbatical for three months. Uh, it's weird in some ways. It kind of feels like we've done so much in that time. And kind of being back is amazing. It feels sort of just like yesterday. But when I think about what we've done, to be honest, we've just landed back from the States midweek this week. And lots of people keep saying, oh, what's, what's the best thing you've seen? And I just can't yet process all we've seen because we've seen um, so much. Um, so towards the end, uh, the last month, we've basically been doing a road trip through the States, starting right up in Seattle, up in the north, right up near the Canada border, went up into an Olympic park up there, and then all the way down the coast, all the way down Route 101 through Oregon, um, down through a great place called Eureka, uh, Astoria, lots of other places you'll have heard of, and then in inland, up into Mount Shasta, up to Reading, went to Bethel, which was great for a day, went there to worship. It was 47 that day, so it was quite warm. Uh, and then back out to the back out to the coast, and then all the way down um, back into um, uh, Yosemite National Park uh, and the Redwood National Park, and down the coast to San Francisco, and uh, a couple of days on the beach at Malibu. And I mean, I don't want to make you too jealous, really, so I should stop. Uh, I went all the way down to San Diego, and a day in Disneyland as well. <laughs> We had an amazing time, and God was really wonderful. It, it was a real journey, and uh, I kind of want to speak a bit about journey tonight. So that was, uh, that was the last month, and I had the privilege of my family flying out and joining me. I'd already been out in Chicago for a couple of weeks with leaders and stuff there, which was just beautiful as well. But before that, the month before, really, more or less the month before, I'd spent a, a week walking up in Scotland on my own, kind of doing a pilgrimage walk, um, having some sort of silent retreat time and some space up there which was really, really special too. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm quite passionate about the journey of the heart and us getting our own heart sorted is a constant challenge. I think sometimes in the church, I mean the church at large, 
we kind of have this sort of message of you come to church, you, you find Jesus, you get saved, and then what? Well, you know, the old joke, isn't it? What got to be careful watching some lads with two church and helicopters. You don't, get, you don't want to get too close because you get sucked into the rotors. That sort of thing, sadly, we laugh at it, but we laugh at it because it's true. Sometimes what we feel that being part of church means we just get busy. We do stuff, and it's really good to serve. It's really great to serve. I'm so thankful for all the people who serve, often unseen at the computer at the back or making teas and coffees, putting chairs, all those things, and serving, doing children's stuff and the worship, all that. We need to serve. That's right. But I think sometimes Christians think, well, I've got saved. Kind of, what now? And the danger is we just become sort of pew fodder or sofa fodder. We, we, we sort of just, weeks and months and years go by and we kind of, our, our faith can stall a little bit. I just got a bit dry maybe. And I don't think it's supposed to be that way. I think that finding Jesus, finding the cross is supposed to be the beginning of a glorious adventure. A beautiful journey that we're called to till the day we go and meet Jesus. And through that journey, there are going to be times of trials and challenges, times of rejoicing, celebration, highs and lows. But finding Jesus in each of those moments is what life, I believe, is all supposed to be about. So for the next month, the next four weeks, we're actually going to do a series on pilgrimage, because I believe it's a really biblical principle. Now, you'll have heard people talk about pilgrimage. You may have even been on a pilgrimage yourself. I think those things are great, and we'll talk a little bit about that over coming weeks. I want to set a bit of a just a, uh, a, a kind of foundation of it tonight, because pilgrimage is more, I think, than going to the Holy Land or doing a walk to Santiago de Compostela or something like that. Those things are helpful, but pilgrimage is more about what's going on inside, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, I'm speaking tonight, and I'm going to be speaking next week, and then the, week, the following two weeks after that, I'm going to be leading worship, and I think Andrew's going to be speaking gloriously, and then uh, Mary is speaking on pilgrimage. Tonight's talk is called, This is the Way. Any Mandalorian fans out there? So I say, this is the way. You say, this is the way. And everyone else sits there thinking, what is he talking about? This is the way. This is what I believe that we're called to. Uh, we had those three really short verses tonight. From Micah 6, 8, he's shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And then Jeremiah 6, 16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Uh, and Matthew 16, 24, which actually is from the lectionary reading today we've got tonight. When Jesus told his disciples, if any of you want to become my followers... Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Um, when I was on retreat and walking in Scotland on my own, I'll talk more about that over perhaps the next week or so. Some of the things I experienced and still trying to process, um, I took, I, I decided I wanted to do some filming with me as I went. So I filmed and I took a drone, which added to the weight in my rucksack, which made life quite challenging. Um, but I did do some filming, and I've tried to make some videos. Uh, four, I've made four videos, actually, and we'll try and use them today and maybe next week or following weeks. Before I left, Mary, um, we had a staff team time, and she kind of had these three bits of music that she felt kind of God wanted to give to me to sort of set me off on my retreat and my sabbatical. And I've used some of these bits of music. So um, just as an introduction, I'm going to play a first video in a moment. 
My first walk that I went on was called St. Cuthbert's Way. It was a journey from Melrose on the borders right the way across the country, kind of skirting the Scottish and English borders, going into Scotland, then kind of into, uh, into England and crossing the Cheviot Hills and then ending up on Holy Island, Lindisfarne, some of you may have heard of it. It's an amazing place. It's got an incredible history. And St. Cuthbert, I won't bore you with all the history, but he would have journeyed this way and witnessed and did amazing signs and wonders many hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Uh, about 1,500 years ago, incredibly early, and did incredible things there. And there's an established monastery there. And Holy Island is a special place. You actually walk across, when the tide's out, you can walk out to this island. And I walked across the sand barefoot, about three miles. It was a long walk, but it was amazing. Anyway, this video, just to set the tone, is some images, particularly of Holy Island. And these are some of the words from a song that's used. This is a kind of heart cry from someone. Someone saying to God, you are not far, you are not so far from me when I open up my eyes to see. You are not far, you are not so far from me. wonder what your experience of God is, whether you think God's someone who's close to you or distant from you. I think there are seasons, many seasons of our lives where we, we can get into the routine of faith and spirituality in church. We sing the songs, we, we pray, we read the Bible, we kind of join part of fellowship. But sometimes God almost gets lost in the busyness of it all or that kind of intimate relationship. Do you remember? Some of you here will remember when you first came to faith, just the excitement, the kind of like puppy-like joy that you felt. Now, of course, we can't live in that state. But that kind of joy, that wonder of finding 
God as Father, being forgiven, receiving mercy, that relational connection sometimes sadly gets lost in our journey. And I think God is wanting to restore that to us. So there's something about going on pilgrimage, going on a walk, where everything is stripped back, where as you journey, as I found in my life, as I journeyed and walked and prayed and thought and listened, sometimes God comes close. You're not so far. You're not so far from me when I open up my eyes to see. God is the Father who quickly wants to come close. So we're starting this season just for a few weeks thinking about pilgrimage, which is really about finding and seeking and finding God. That's what pilgrimage really is about, finding God. And it's all about his presence. It's about, supposed to be about the presence and closeness of God. So uh, as I say, I walked St. Cuthbert's Way, and you can read a bit about that. It's about 70 miles I ended up walking. Um, and then I stayed for a week on the Isle of Sale, which is on the Inner Hebrides, and I was basically in this pod. I felt like a little a, a, a monk in this pod in the middle of nowhere in this farm, looking out, there was no one near me, and, uh, and it was an amazing time. I want to suggest that we're a pilgrim people, and every single one of us in this room is on a journey, both an inner spiritual journey, I would suggest, but also an outer journey through our lives, as in, in, in all our jobs, our work, our circumstances, our family, our life's journey. And there's nothing new in that. Abraham, if you think about him now, I mean, Abraham was called by God to leave his home, and by faith he set out. And did he know where he was going? No. <laughs> he had no idea where he was going. But God called him and he was obedient. And doesn't life often feel like that? You kind of sense God calling you, but you don't necessarily know where. And the, the extent to which we trust him, it, it, it kind of brings blessing in our lives. It's tempting, isn't it? I've just driven 3,265 miles. I know exactly how many through America in a car. That's quite a long way. When you, I mean, men are different to women. Like w- if women think that they're a bit lost or they're not sure, They'll do what is eminently sensible and stop and ask questions. Whereas men, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not making generalizations and my daughter will tell me off for this, but generally men, if you get lost, you just keep going. And you certainly don't ask anyone. Um, uh, uh, you kind of keep going until you hopefully see a sign or something you recognize. But the truth is often in life when we feel a bit lost or uncertain spiritually, that's exactly what we do. We stop. And certainly many of us, men perhaps and women but definitely men we we get too proud to ask questions and ask for help but we often stop we get paralyzed by indecision and uncertainty abraham didn't know where he was going but he set out by faith it's a recurring theme throughout the whole of scripture in the old testament where people are obedient to god and both individuals and whole tribes move compelled by the spirit of god to step out not completely knowing where they're going perhaps with a sense of direction but an uncertainty, but a definite knowledge that God is the God who's leading them, and therefore they can trust. That's the nature of following the shepherd, right? That's what we're called to. So I think all of us are on a pilgrimage. Some of us might have a real clear sense of where God's called us. God may have spoken to us prophetically or through others about what's next, but sometimes we're kind of wandering a bit. The good news of all of this series, I want to say to you, is you might not know where you're going, but God does. The Father does. Jesus does. He's leading you. And, and sometimes we look at our journey and we look back and we think, what a mess. But actually, later on, we'll often look back and we'll see, you know, those one sets of footprints when Jesus was carrying us. And we become more and more aware the more we go on that actually even through the brokenness and pain and the shattered debris of our lives, 
even amidst that, God is able to come and rescue us and lead us on a journey to a place of healing. And so pilgrimage as a concept, I think, is centered around one thing, which is progression, movement. God, I don't think, calls us to be static standards. Even when, when we can't move physically, he wants us to be moving in our hearts, spiritually, moving forward. We're created to be constantly on the move spiritually, chasing him in our prayers, evolving in our understanding and wisdom and knowledge of God, and facing and jumping, sometimes if we're honest, climbing, climbing kind of broken and a bit bloodied over some of the obstacles and challenges that we face. There are times that feel like that. And, and I think with pilgrimage, we often think of pilgrimage to a certain place, and there can be really helpful things in that. But I think no specific location is in one sense holier than any other. We can experience God in fresh ways and in fresh places all the time. Oswald Chambers, some of you will know of him. He was a great Scottish evangelist and theologian in the early 1900s. Some will have read some of his, the book, Oswald Chambers, kind of thoughts of the day, they're amazing. But he said this, the reality of God's presence is not dependent on place, but only dependent upon the determination to set the Lord always before us. He's, he's about saying, in our journey through life, wherever we're going on pilgrimage, sometimes we want to get to a certain place, and then we think we'll meet the Lord. Well, actually, how do I meet you today where I am right now, Lord, and tomorrow into the place where I stay? That's how the Father wants to walk with us. Next week, we're going to look at Psalm 84, which is a beautiful psalm. It's often known as the psalm of pilgrimage, and we're going to be looking at that. And it helps us understand the true nature, I think, of pilgrimage, which is an internal journey more than a simple actual journey, physical journey somewhere. That's really what pil pilgrimage is about. The true heart of pilgrimage is the willingness to take a journey, not just with your feet, but with your heart. And I've certainly experienced that uh, these last few months. Every day, Jesus calls us to embrace new life. And that means letting go, maybe a leaving behind, moving on from what's become too comfortable or too familiar sometimes, too safe. But our call is always a call forward. And Jesus journeys with us in that. Of course, there are seasons where God calls us to rest. But even in that, it's a journey onto something else. So as Christians, I think we're all a pilgrim people. It's interesting. Um, I think there's some Latin scholars here. Anyone know what the, the, the Latin term pilgrim is and where it comes from? Didn't know this. And I'm sure you'll all be fascinated, those of you that are still conscious. So the Latin term is peregrinus, which you know about. You know, of course you know. It means foreigner. So it's interesting. And, and that, that made me think, oh, peregrine falcon. I wonder if it's that. And it is because peregrine falcons travel widely, massively when they're in you know, different seasons. And so they, it's known as like the wandering falcon. It travels, it journeys. And so I found that a helpful thing, to be a, to be a journeyer, a kind of a traveler from fo to foreign places and from foreign places. We just, as I say, got back from the States. And it was a real, a real gift, a real privilege, an expensive privilege to be there. Um, and if any of you have been to the States re recently, you know you have to get a visa. And if you've been to the States recently, I said to my children, I mean, Ellie's 22, my youngest Joe's 15 and Sam's 19 in the middle. And I said to them, when you go in, don't muck about because in America, they don't take any prisoners. Well, actually, they take a lot of prisoners, but that's a different thing. But they, I mean, they take it really seriously when you go across the border. And I, I went in earlier. I was going to Chicago and I got the third degree. Why are you here? What do you do? I said, uh, I'm here. I'm seeing friends. Just at my 
for a couple of weeks and then come back to school. What do you do? I'm a vicar. What's a vicar? That's a very good question. <laughs> so I, I'm a pastor. I look after two churches. So why are you here? I'm seeing some friends. How much money have you got? What, with me? It, it kind of is a will third degree. You get a visa, and I was allowed in, fortunately. But it's tough. A- and as you go in, you really feel like an outsider. This is not my country. This is not my home. And I'm being let in by the skin of my teeth for a limited amount of time. When are you going home? Have you got a return ticket? I can visit, but I can't stay. I'm just passing through. And that is true for us as Christians in this world. The truth is we're all just passing through. We're not supposed to, we're, not, we're never going to be staying here. Now, I know that's true f- physically. You know, there will come a point, most of us are aware, there will come a point when we die. I mean, that's one of those statistics, one in one people die. Um, but I'm not talking about that so much. I'm talking about actually spiritually, this is not our home. And I know it feels like our home because, you know, we have a house and we have a family and we set down roots. And that's good. That's right. But this is not our spiritual home. We are created for something else. The world is not our home. It's just a temporary part of our eternal call. John 15, Jesus says this to the disciples and he's saying to us, if the world hates you, you know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you its own. But because you're not of the world... I chose you out of the world because of this world, because of this world, the world hates, because of this, the world hates you. John 17, again, he says, they're not of the world, even as I am of the world. And Philippians 3 goes on and explains this, 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then to underline it more, 1 Peter 2.11, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against our soul. It's like Paul and Peter are saying, you know, we're in the world, and that's good because we can, we can be transformed to this. We can, we can serve God here, but, you know, this isn't supposed to ever be our home. We're supposed to never feel so comfortable that that's it, we're done. We're destined for eternity with Jesus. Now, that does not mean we just kind of like, and some Christian communities have been like this, where we cut ourselves off from the world compu- completely. Or we just simply wait until we die and then finally we get to heaven. No, we're, we're called to journey through this world. In the same way that when we went to the States, we had a plan and a purpose and a journey, which was great adventure. But I knew we were going to be coming back here at some point. We're all going to be called home. I wonder if any of you have ever felt that. Have you ever felt like at times in this world you just can't stand it? Like the news is so bad. The people around you think so differently from you. Life and the workplace and everything is so different from your culture that it's almost unbearable. You just almost wish you could escape from it. You hate what you see and you just want out at times. Well, it's because you're a stranger. You're not made for that. You're made for something better. So while we're not called to cut ourselves off from it or escape from it, I think God wants us to learn how to navigate it and journey through it well while we have breath in our bodies to bring life and the light of Christ into this culture around us to be transformers of atmospheres and culture. That's the pilgrimage and the journey that we're all called to as we navigate life. And I think that understanding of eternity and our call home is really, really important because it does affect how we live life, I think. It transforms our understanding and view of life. It's, it's 
not then so much about going on a pilgrimage to a place, but it's understanding that our whole life is a pilgrimage. Our entire lives is a perpetual journey of discovery and adventure and revelation and challenge, yes, and growth and blisters and aches and bruises and the views and the valleys of life, along with times of great times of healing and rest and recuperation and refreshment. That's all part of the journey. For me, that sabbatical has been that. It's been times of refreshment and revisioning and lots of blisters as well. Micah 6.8, here again. He's shown you, O mortal, what's good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. We make Christianity so complicated. And I understand why. And you know, as a church leader, I'm, we're, we're guilty of perpetuating that. But what is Christianity at its core? What is the way, which is what it used to be called amongst those early discoverers of Jesus? You know, they were on the way. Well, maybe, maybe it's just a long walk with your maker and having a soft, open heart on that journey. Because when we have a soft, open heart, we respond to injustice and we want to speak up for the vulnerable and protect the weak and challenge wrongdoing. To act justly, to love mercy, and to just walk humbly with your God. So, just a few thoughts as we kind of draw to a close soon. What did I learn from my experience? I think I've got, hang on. While I was walking, actually not while I was walking, after I walked at the end of each day when I was aching badly, I kept just a little diary. And I tried to write some of the things I saw and some of the reflections on the way and uh, some of the spiritual reflections that came. So this was right at the beginning of June. I walked from Melrose to St. Boswells. I actually walked two miles before from the station to start at St. the St. Cuthbert's Way, which I felt like was a cheat because I'd already walked two miles and I hadn't even started my pilgrimage walk and I was already hot, hot and knackered. I thought, this is not a great start. I started, have anyone ever been to Melrose Hill on the borders? Really beautiful. I had no idea. It's so beautiful out there. Anyway, start at the Abbey. I think this is great. I've got a freestone rucksack on my back, quite a big rucksack, lots of kit. And you leave Melrose and you go up this ludicrous set of about 50 wooden steps that they've built halfway up a hillside and then got this monstrous hill. And the day I arrived in Melrose, this is like right in, in Scotland, I was expecting rain and snow and hail. It was blisteringly hot. I, I got to the top of this hill. So I, I'd walked two miles from the train station, was a bit tired. I started the pilgrimage full of faith and vim and vigor and all the rest of it. Got about three, three quarters of a mile, got to the top of this hill and thought, I am going to die. Literally, I sat down at the top of this hill. I'd eaten all of the biscuits I had had prepared to try and get me through. I'd drunk all of my water. I sat at the top of this hill and thought, I've done three quarters of a mile of 70 miles and I want to give up. I mean, genuinely thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've got people at home praying for me. They'll be asking, how was your pilgrimage? And I'll be having to say, well, yeah, I had a great time. I mean, I got the train home after the first half an hour. But I sat there thinking, I don't, I, Lord, I'm not sure I can do this. I sat there and I, I, I wrote some things down later, or later on. I put unbelievable climb out of Melrose, hot, sunny, sweaty, and a ridiculously heavy rucksack. 
thought to myself, I'm not going to make this. What I learned, slow down, take small steps, not big. It's not a race. It's a double marathon and then a bit more. I wrote, pace is everything. Fast cripples you early and you end up stopping and wanting to give up. And then I put this, spiritual reflection. This is at the end of the day. Uh, This is about eight, nine miles later. Slow and steady is faster than fast and hot and knackered and stopping. I wrote, I need vision of distance. A view is really important to me. Because what I discovered was, when I was walking up a hill just looking at the floor, (laughs) it was really hard to keep going. But every now and then you got a glimpse of where you were going in the distance, around a corner or over a brow hill. And that distance of the beauty of where I was heading kept me going. I have got somewhere I'm going. It will be worth it. There will be a shower and food, hopefully, for me to get to. And I was reminded of the verse that we had at the beginning from Jeremiah 6.16 on that first day. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. And I felt for me and for us and for many people here, are you standing and looking or are you so busy rushing on the journey that you're on that actually you're not taking time to stand at the crossroads and look? And looking gives you views of what might be ahead, the wonderful paths that God may have put ahead for you. And asking the question, Lord, which is the good way? I don't want to just assume that because I'm on this path, it must be that way. I learned the hard way that just assuming the path ahead is the path to go on can add a lot of miles to your journey and a lot of hills that you didn't need to sweat up and down. Asking is really good, whether it's someone who's there or whether it's my sat-nav or whether it's, more importantly, the Lord. Ask where the good way is. And then don't just ask, because sometimes God will tell you, well, the question is then, are you obedient to actually walk on it? And sometimes stepping out on a path that maybe was unexpected or uncertain, and we do do the dialogue, Lord, really? That way? Follow it. Walk in it, God says, and you will find rest for your souls. So many people inside and outside the church have souls and hearts that are so harassed and harangued. Well, maybe they're not on the right path, the path that God would rather they were on. I'm not going to do every day, but day two, I walked from St. Boswell to Jedburgh. Uh, started really early in the morning after having a massive breakfast. Let me tell you, it's really good to eat a lot before you walk. I mean, not kind of like where you can't walk, but we need to find fuel for our body. I walked um, along Deer Street, which is a Roman road that had been 2,000 years, making incredible progress, and then started getting terrible pain in my boot. Uh, It was absolute agony, so much so that I thought I was going to have to give up again. I had bruising all the way up. My, My walking boot was destroying my leg. These are some of the spiritual reflections I had that day after literally limping the last three miles thinking I'm going to die. (laughs) Slow and steady is faster than fast. Same as before. No pace is too slow, though, if it keeps you moving. Every step forward is a step forward. Despise nothing. It got to the point where I was literally moving after about 15 miles, moving one foot harder in front of the other. But what I realized was any movement forward is movement forward. It's easy to despise the small things, but God says, keep going. I learned to rest often and well. Lots of little steps are as valid as exhausting big strides and easier to maintain with willpower. 
the other thing I really want, and I think this is so true for us in life, is this. Be thankful for everything. Listen to the birds and the wind and the moments that you're in. And dream of your destination, but watch every single step that you take and rejoice in it. Every step you take is a step closer to where you're going. You know, I think sometimes in the busyness of going to a destination, we lose sight of the place that we're at. And the beauty and the wonder of what God's wanting to say to us right now. I really learned as I was traveling that it's easy to come fixated on the end of the journey. You know, where the shower is, where the food is, where the bed is. But actually, if all you're fixated on is where you're heading, in the moment of the journey, you miss the beauty of all the things that are around you. I chose to not really listen to anything as I was going. I, I, I thought I'd probably listen to lots of worship and that, but actually I chose not to. I kind of just wanted silence and space. And for the first time in my life, I, I heard birdsong like I've never really heard. We, you know, during COVID, we all noticed birdsong, didn't we, in the silence? I just heard larks bending and thought, oh, that's what it, it sounds like when a lark is bending. I heard things I'd never heard, the wind in the trees, and thought these moments so often pass us by because we're rushing to get somewhere focused on where we're going. Spiritually, what might God be saying to you right now about the moment you're in? Are you finding things that you can give thanks for? Are you finding places to find rest? God is not so far from us when we open our eyes to see. I feel maybe there's some people who God's trying to speak to at the moment, but we're so busy, it's hard to find space and time. And I appreciate, you know, most of us can't just take sabbaticals after a month or even a walk, even a week. But do you find time in your day just to pause and stop, whether it's at night or in the morning, just to, to be at peace? I want to finish in a moment. Um, what was it like to walk? People said to me before, you're going on a hike. And kind of everything inside me went, wanted to say yes. But the word hiking kind of filled me with a bit of a sense of dread. When I think of hiking, it's a bit of a depressing word. I think of kind of macho people with their kind of 450-pound North Face jackets and their, their walking boots that cost more than my car and their kind of carbon fiber poles. And they kind of got it all together and they're really strong and, and fit. And I was none of those things. But show me a mountain or a hill and I long to get to the top of it. I'll be in a wheezing mess when I get there, but there's something in me that wants to journey up and to travel, not so much as a hiker or a trekker or a mountaineer, but probably an out-of-shape wanderer or a stumbler is often the case. Or maybe a saunterer, that word saunter. You know, saunter is actually a beautiful word. Way back in the Middle Ages, people used to go on pilgrimages uh, to the Holy Land. And when people used to ask, you know, when they traveled through villages, where are you going? They would, they would apply a la santerre to the Holy Land. So that's where we get the word santerre from saunter. That's where we get the word saunter. We be, they became known as santerers, saunterers, people who were traveling to the Holy Land. So for me, I felt like I was bumbling and stumbling and sauntering on this journey. Not, not, not actually to the Holy Land, but in a, in a sense, every place I was treading, God was making holy. Every opportunity was an opportunity for God to speak to me in the moment. And for me to give that time and my pain and my blisters and my bruises and my joys and the wonder of the world, to just be in that moment with the Lord. That kind of being in the presence of God, wherever I found myself, whether in pain or in joy, I was on the way to the Holy Land. And as I say, on the journey, the destination, in fact, mattered less than the actual unfolding understanding and condition of my heart as I traveled on the way. 
that's what pilgrimage is all about. And that's what we're going to explore over the next few weeks. I want to finish with um, one final video that I made, which actually shows uh, the beginning and uh, some of the journey um, of on St. Cuthbert's Way. It's a really well signposted walk and it is over hills and mountains and through kind of valleys and through marshes and along roads. It's a real beautiful walk. But the pursuit of God is everything. His presence is everything. You're going to play this.
pray. Your presence is all we want. We can't live without your presence. But sadly, Lord, so often we try. Or we end up living a half-life where we don't really know your presence with us. Perhaps we do on Sunday or in, in worship or when there's ministry or when someone comes and shares a word with us, in those snatched moments of your presence. But Lord, your desire is to walk with us day by day, moment by moment, through the joys and through the trials. And Father, I pray that we'd have a growing sense of what it is to walk humbly with our God and to hear your still, small voice, to know you truly as the good shepherd and to see the life that you called us to as an adventure one where you will never forsake us, you'll never abandon us, that you're always with us by your spirit, that you send the paraclete to come alongside, to nurture, to encourage, to speak words of life from the Father's throne room. So Father, as we look at this series on pilgrimage over these weeks, may we together begin to journey more closely with you. Your presence is what we crave, Lord, so that your spirit would fill us and heal us and transform us, not that just so that we feel nice, but that we become more and more kingdom people who are able to bring your light and your life to this community, to our workplaces, to our family and our friends, to be transformers of the world around us, shining with your radiance and glory. May we be like Moses, who prayed, unless your presence goes with us, then we're not coming. May we be pursuers of your glory, so that your glory may come, we pray, and be increasingly seen. We yield our hearts and commit to journeying with you this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to close in a bit of worship. I just want to encourage us over the next few weeks just to begin to say, Lord, where are you leading me? Help me stand and pause and look at the crossroads I'm facing. Lord, which is the way you want me to, uh, to lead me? And help me to be bold in saying, I'll follow in the way to follow the path that you set for me. Let's stand together as we pray. Thanks, Kevin.